Welcome to the All 49ers show. We are the All 49ers, all two of us. Grant Cohn, Jose Sanchez, uh, Quality Control, La Tapatia. We repping uh-huh. hella stuff today, this morning. The title of the show is Analyzing Trey Lance's Cryptic Instagram Tweet or Post, because you can't tweet on Instagram, but it is cryptic, and if you have Instagram or whatever, you can go check it out, click on his little icon. You can post we're gonna talk about- on your stories. I don't know how that works. I don't have Instagram, but you can check it out. I've seen it. It's on uh, Twitter, too. People posted it. So anyway, check it out. We're going to talk about it later. I'd like to hear your opinion on it because it's one of those things that um, you can have an array of opinions or none. But first, let's talk about this game because the game's more important just a little bit. The Niners play the Cowboys on Sunday, and uh, if the Niners win this game, it will be like the best win they've had all year. And I think we think they're better than the Cowboys, but I think we should take them seriously. So what is the biggest threat the Cowboys pose to the 49ers? Yeah, they better take them seriously. This is going to be the toughest opponents they've faced in a, in a while, at least. Um, the Cowboys, I mean, look, like a month ago or so, I would have said, look, the Cowboys and the Niners, that's going to be a crazy matchup. But then you start watching, like, their, their defense start to slide a bit. You know, Dax throwing picks left and right. But then you watch the game like that on primetime on the road against the Bucks, And it's like, I know the Bucks are a weak side. You, you got to give them credit. And I think that's ultimately what I saw from that game is like, if the 49ers see that level of Dak Prescott, this is going to be a crazy battle. And that's pretty much going to be their biggest threat the Cowboys pose is Dak Prescott. If he is that level, if he's anywhere close to that, accounting for five touchdowns, now he's probably not going to count for, they're probably not going to put up five touchdowns against the Niners defense. But still, he's probably going to be threatening and damaging. I mean, I saw back some clips on on the on on Game Pass on all twenty two film that Geno Smith like missed some receivers who were wide open deep, and he just took like a check down. Like I saw like a corner route that easily got split between Deshaun Gibson and over the top of Diamondor Lenore, and that's something that Dak's gonna look for, and Dak can hit that easily. I know he doesn't have like the greatest arm, but just like Purdy, like they're not afraid to throw it and, and deliver an accurate ball. So I think there was opportunities there that Seattle had that didn't tick with Geno that I think Dak's gonna do. And then better yet, he has the legs to make a more scramble, scrambling play than Geno can because he's a little faster. Mm-hmm. He's a little more poised, more like pocket struck. He, he's just he's a better player overall. But again, if you just get that same version, that high-level one who's taking care of the football and he's dice, slicing and dicing your defense, threatening with your legs a little bit because he hasn't shown that to tuck and run. But if he does that, which is the Niners, you know, like you said, it's the Niners' weakness, mm-hmm. then that's why I think it's going to be, you know, things are going to hit the fan. I think that the the Cowboys run game poses a threat. No one's talking about the Cowboys run game. Really? Niners shut it down last year. Um, But what I'm looking at right now is a Niners defensive line, particularly the interior that hasn't been strong against the run the last month. They got pushed around by the Raiders offensive line, which isn't a great, I mean, is it a great offensive line? Raiders? No. Hell no. No. It's not a bad offensive line, but it's like, it's an offensive line. It's like a big offensive line, and they kind of pushed around the Niners' D-line. And then in this last game, I thought yeah, the Seahawks were doing the same thing, and, and then Geno started turning the ball over, and they fell behind and couldn't run it anymore. But they did run for 100 yards. So the Cowboys have Zach Martin. They have big guards and centers. Um, I'd like to – I'm a little concerned. I, I think Tony Pollard's a hell of a running back, even though he's a little small. And Ezekiel Elliott, like, he's not good anymore, but this is going to be more about the Cowboys' offensive line against the Niners' defensive tackles because for whatever reason, they haven't been playing their best the last month. I know they've had some guys come in, some guys come out. It's been a little bit uh, shuffled there, but I don't know. The results speak for themselves. Uh no, I'm not giving the Niners that excuse. No, they've been they've been getting a little punched a little bit. Um, they honestly, have. I'm not too scared of the Cowboys' running game because of first of all, Zeke is so slow that I think you can see him running from the out of the backfield and catch That's up in true. time and swim past the block. Um, and then also like, yeah, the Cowboys' offensive line is solid, but I just think I don't think they're aggressive. And I think that's what we saw last year. And I think that's always been a thing that's been a trend with them. And maybe that's a tone set by Mike McCarthy. But that's one thing I know why, you know, Seattle had that success against the Niners. Like, look, it wasn't pretty. You know, Kenneth Walker wasn't getting like five plus, eight plus yard gains. But he was getting a lot of those like tough, like death by a million paper cuts um, runs or just offensive drives that Seattle was putting up. Like it was like, I feel like the whole time it was like, man, it feels like Kenneth Walker is gaining like three to four yards every carry which is good because it's making it easier for the pass game. It allows them to go throw short when they have to. Um, and I just and, think it's because of their toughness, really. And it opens up play action. If you actually oh, yeah. have a run game and you're committed to it, you have play action. And I feel like that's the formula to beat the Niners. You got to – you can't be – one. they want to make you one-dimensional. You got to be have, open. 
They have Nick Bosa. You can't make Nick Bosa pass rusher 50 times a game. You got to make him run, defend the run. Make this whole defense defend the run. He had zero pressures according to PFF. So, yeah, you got you got to be balanced. You got to run the ball on first down, and you got to like stay ahead of the chains. You got to take shots on play action. Dallas can do all of that. Yeah, they can do. They can follow the Raider blueprint like the Seahawks tried to. And I mean, it'll come down to whether or not Dak wants to turn the ball over that day, kind of like Geno Smith. But if you run the ball and you keep the game close, you can at least um, do that part of the game plan. Then the other part, the the Cowboys lost last year, but their defense actually did a pretty good job. They destroyed Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy was terrible in Dallas last year. He threw that pick at the end. His quarterback rating was 60-something. Jimmy terrible they, in the playoffs? They have a hell of a pass rush, and they have like DBs who don't drop the ball. So they're kind of built to play <laughs> with a lead. So if the Niners fall behind and Brock Purdy has to face those pass rushers, I don't know if he's going to be able to run away from them. Like, they're very fast. Michael Parsons and uh, Dorrance Armstrong and uh, He's not running Marcus past Lawrence. Mike Parsons. No, it's not going to happen. Catching them. So, yeah, this is going to be a very – yeah, we'll talk about the test for, for Brock. But, yeah, that pass rush, the Niners kind of need to avoid it uh, by running <laughs> the ball. You know, Cowboys are going to be preying on uh, Brock to evade the pocket so early. Yeah. When the hold the ball, Brock, run, run straight around, into Brock. him. Yeah, Mike is going to be like, all right, I can, I can, I get to get off of, I get to leave McGlinchey or mm-hmm. Trent Williams and just sprint towards you. That's easier. That's the thing. Yeah, like it, when you're in the pocket, Trent Williams can protect you. As soon as you bail out to the left, it's, now you're on your own. And he's been outrunning a lot of guys, but he's not going to outrun some of these Cowboys pass rushers. So they did a great job against Jimmy last year. Jimmy was hurt a little bit, but. How's Brock gonna do? He's done really well against what Seattle, and he hasn't faced one of these NFC East teams. These are the best teams in the NFC. Yeah, and I think just to like tie this up, just going back to Dak, I just think I just think look, we the Cowboys have had success all year, but they have not looked as nowhere near as good as they did last Monday, and it was because of Dak. Like you could say like, okay, the run game is gonna be good, but if Dak's throwing picks like he is, the Niners are gonna be in that all the way. He, he needs to be that version. That's where I think it's going to be not only their biggest threat, but like their best chance of winning, and that's going to make it harder for the Niners to win. You said their like biggest, that. the biggest threat the Cowboys pose is their quarterback, right? I mean, he he can get hot. He I know it's, it can be lazy. It's like, oh yeah, it's like the quarterback being influential is no dub, but it's like, yeah, but we've seen teams like overcome them. And it's like, I think personally, like we just seen like the Cowboys like at their best with him and throwing that well, and that was like elite. And that's one thing that I think we've always said is like elite quarterbacks. What's going to happen when the Niners place the elite quarterbacks with their secondary? That's true, and and Dak isn't necessarily necessarily elite. That's an elite he, performance he had, but yeah, he's he not can elite. be elite. He can, can be, be. in, in ways that Gino can't. I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep taking shots at Gino, but he's a divisional opponent. And I Gino's have fine, but he's not going to be he's like fine. someone that's going to be like, uh, like you you saw they got they got two offensive uh, touchdowns out of him, but that's all you're good for, you know. That's, Gino's Jerry really, Goff. Gino's Jimmy Garoppolo. You, you could like him. You could say he's above average. You could say yada yada yada. He's you're not like Gino over Jimmy. Whatever. Yeah, me too. I would too. But whatever. I mean, I don't really want either one of them. But with Dak, Dak has – we saw it a couple days ago. He has the ability to go out there and play like a top, top, top-level quarterback when he's confident and not getting hit. And um, that's – the Niners made him unconfident, and they hit him a lot of times last year in the playoffs. Can they do that now? I mean, I don't know. Like, they haven't been doing it a lot. They've just been getting bad, bad quarterbacks to turn the ball over. Like, I guess what I'm concerned about here is Jared Stidham wasn't good enough to pull off the, the game plan. But the game plan against the Niners works. But Stidham couldn't do it for, for five quarters. He could do it for four. Uh, Gino could do it for two. Can Dak do it for four quarters and win? Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he is he just going to all of us? I don't know. He is the turnover king. We'll have to see. I about to say, which version of Dak you going to see? Because if Dak's He's turning turn it over king. once or twice, I think it's going to be hard for them to overcome. The Cowboys, yeah, personally. If he does that, they're, they're toast and... Uh, I wonder how they'll feel about Dak going into the postseason. I know they love him right now. We'll see. He's riding high. Corey Soto says, you're the media, so I know why you're talking about it, but anyone who follows Lance knows every other post comes with finger-crossed emoji, non-story. See, what I love about this story is that I didn't even notice it until this morning. Everyone was talking about it yesterday, and I searched Trey Lance on Twitter, <coughs> and it's like 50 people tweeting about this saying, it's a nothing burger, no story here. It's like, okay, then why'd you tweet about it? Oh, so you could get your 400 likes because you wanted us a little piece. So it seems like everyone has something to say about it. So I want to talk about it too. But we're going to save it till the end. Thank you, Corey. We haven't talked about it yet. But everyone's saying, you can't talk about this. You just talked about it. 
that's why I didn't, that's why I didn't tweet about it. I'm like, I mean, I didn't tweet about to, it either. If you're trying to clarify that it's like not a big deal, then you're kind of making it a big deal. Exactly. Kind of critical. So, so I didn't we'll talk about, about that. it. I was like, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about until exactly. you brought it up. Today. Exactly. I'm like, All right, what's we're talking about it. All right, but we save it till the end. Brian says you see Mike McD hitting the vape last Sunday. You know, I did see that video. I that wasn't it. a bait, man. He's blowing it to his hands. I've done yeah. that plenty of times in the cold. I watched it a lot of times, and you cannot see. If I were his defense attorney, you can't see damn thing in his hand. I don't know what the hell is in his hand. I didn't see <laughs> anything. Then, I don't like, know. No, honestly, I really don't think there was a vape pen in his hand. I, really I, I didn't see that. a vape pen at all. I didn't see nothing. I don't know. I like Mike McDaniel. I hope he wasn't doing that. Oh, God. I mean, hey, oh, maybe, that was the, maybe that was the I, secret to his play calling all year all along. If that was the case, more to you. But, I mean... <laughs> I didn't see a damn thing in his <laughs> I didn't see it. What? Snitching. All right. So what is the Cowboys' biggest weakness that the Niners can attack? Uh, I think it's Dallas is secondary because I saw other than just like the stats that I'm seeing that they have, they can be, um, especially towards this late latter half, later half of the year, they, they've been able to get had. And I know like they didn't, they look pretty locked down against the Bucks, but I mean, Brady was missing passes like jesus i mean i could have sworn i could have thrown a better ball than him it, it was crazy he was missing him he was missing like crazy um and some i wasn't really too impressed with the route concepts at least with like the 49ers i know kyle shannon is gonna like dial something up that's gonna take advantage of them I and mean, we saw it last year against the cowboys i know it's a different cowboys team different niners team but yeah he, i think he's gonna know what to do in this game and especially after watching this last seattle game where kyle's just like like every play was there in that first half for purdy he literally missed he literally pulled a jimmy grobble that first half by leaving so much on the table, which is funny because I remember tweeting saying, like, I know you're trying to get your guy, like, some comfort, some comfortability and confidence mm-hmm. early on, but, Kyle, can we get a little more run plays? I know they're not all going to go for, like, three-plus yards, but can we get it off balance? Can we get left less pressure off your rookie quarterback? But I didn't realize until after watching the game back on the All-22 is, man, everything was open. He just wasn't hitting him or seeing him. So, I mean, <laughs> the passing attack works, and I think that's going to be something you take advantage of because outside of Trayvon Diggs, they don't really have, like, unnecessarily, like, great – player in the secondary kind of like the 49ers almost and with so much talent around i think that's where they can expose it and they should be able to uh yeah i think that's a good one um i got more how about so everyone's talking about the cowboys run defense i don't know about i i don't know about that i mean leighton and vander esch is a really good linebacker anthony Barr is a really good linebacker they're d linemen they're a little small but so are the niners offensive against the run not against the pass I feel like the I, I I know I know the Niners ran really well against them last year. I I, I don't know about that. Yeah, it was different. Was, to me, yeah. I'm I'm more concerned. I feel like a bigger weakness is the Cowboys linebackers in coverage. Like Leighton mm-hmm. Vander Esch, oh, yeah. he's a good player, but he, he can't cover Christian. You get spin like a top and route cut. Oh route my range. god! So I I think like it's such a big mismatch that Dan Quinn has to think about using safeties in that matchup, and then. And then, like, are you taking your linebackers off the field entirely? And then can you stop the run? So I think that's a big conundrum for the Cowboys. Like, how do we – because the Niners press the issue on that immediately. Like, as soon as they get the ball, the first drive, if it's nine plays, seven of them could go to McCaffrey and, like, four of them could be passes. And then you're down seven nothing. So you better have a plan for that right away. And so far, teams haven't. I don't know. Yeah, then you got Debo can probably attack from the backfield. Mitchell yes. actually gets is actually a passing threat too now. You um, check. You check. Oh my god. You check. Just, Whenever they, they get him involved, they win. Whenever they get him involved, he's yeah, like the secret. Yeah, he's so. I mean, he's just. You the, can't account for him. You're not you gonna, can't you're account, not gonna account for, him. for him. He's the fifth guy. Same with Jennings when he's on the field. Yeah, I love that. Which is actually uh, that's another thing that I like also about 49ers attacking their passing game is they're using a lot multiple receivers to take the top of the defense off or at least like you know open up the middle of the field. They're using Jennings. I saw Ray Ray McLeod. Um, did, did Danny Gray get a play and do that too? Or I don't know. I, I think I know I saw those two at least. But they're they're sending guys down the field. They're doing whatever they can. Like Kyle's like right now the way he's operating the passing attack. I'm just like, who the hell am I watching? Who who am I watching call these plays? So I, I think this is going to be another test for him to really show what he can do in a quarterback that he actually trusts. I I think it's imp- – um, one thing we've seen with Purdy is he doesn't throw outside the numbers to the right very much. He just doesn't do it. He, he likes to throw to his left. He likes to roll to his left. He likes to throw to his left. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be interesting if, if the Cowboys put digs on that side of the field, the defensive right, the offensive left, and said, go ahead, throw over the left if you want. Uh, or – 
Force if you kind of try to funnel them back to the right side, I wonder uh, if that could work or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, it seems to me that like Diggs, he can be beat kind of like Trevarius Ward, but when he wins, he picks you off. And the, like one of the only ways the Niners lose this game is if Brock Purdy gets starts throwing picks. And frankly, he threw a couple passes in the first half against Seattle that could have got intercepted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, you know, so he's been, you know, that's football. Sometimes they get picked, sometimes they don't. But eventually he may stop getting so lucky. And so they, the fact that they have McCaffrey, that's nice. I feel like you don't have to force those passes. Just check it down. Just check it down. Just check it down. This so. might be the old uh, throwback game plan for the 49ers, even if they don't want to necessarily, like, throw 10-plus, 15-yard-plus uh passes that we're used to seeing them now with Purdy, this might be a throwback game where we just see them go yak because it worked last year. I know, again, different team, but ultimately I think like the same thing you said, because I do agree. I think that's also the another weakness is their linebackers and coverage. Anthony Barr and Leighton Vanderish are not fast. They're not, they're not like, I wouldn't say they're not like technique savvy in terms of like guarding receivers or, or running backs. And I think that's something they're going to take advantage of just shallow crossers, let them go off, let them tee off, run off, run past them. Um, and I think they can run over them because, I, again, I think I think both sides of the ball, they're not necessarily, like, tough or overly yeah. aggressive. I wouldn't say they're as soft as, like, years past, but I think compared to the Niners, yeah, I think the Niners could push them over. I think that would be a game plan they could use to utilize. Like, yak, yak, yak. And then when you see you need fit, then, all right, now let's test their secondary. Let's go over the top and really expose them. And you got to take this pa- this Cowboys pass rush seriously. That's going to be another thing. How is your 49ers pass yeah. pro going to be there today? I mean, today. But the but Niners today? are so good. I mean, because they've had this conundrum with the Rams in the past. An overwhelming pass rush. What do you do? The Niners are so good at getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands immediately and turning these pass rushers into, like, you know, chasers. Now you're chasing the player across the field. Now you're trying to tackle Debo Samuel across. They do this all the time. So they should be able – I mean, they know what to do. But now it's Brock's turn to do it. Uh, Jimmy didn't do so well. with He won – but he really – they won in spite of him last year. I remember that game. That was – he threw a pick at the end. They were, he gave well, them a the game, Brad. He gave them a game. Not only did he did he throw the pick, but he messed up a quarterback sneak. He called the the hike too early. Called the hike too early, and Kyle said it after the game. They had a false start. Uh, and then the only reason the Niners won is because freaking Dak Prescott slid too late on a scramble and couldn't get the, the spike down. They would have had a chance for one play at the end zone, and he couldn't. He messed it up. That's how close that game was last year because of Jimmy, and he only turned it over once. So let's see. Because really, that game got. was not close at all. It was literally, it was literally Jimmy was the best defense of the Cowboys that game. It was literally the best defense because they couldn't stop. I oh, think they had a drive where they went run the whole way at one point. Yeah, I want to keep going on this topic because last year the, a big reason the Niners won is because they sacked Dak Prescott five times and ran they it. sacked him. And like the night, if you remember, the Niners were doing that. Like, I remember they week eighteen. I think they sacked Matt Stafford five times in that game. Like they were dominant, and it wasn't just Bosa. It was Armstead, it was Key, it was Menahue, it was all of them. And they would just swarm you. And they were doing it a lot. They did it in that game. They won. Uh, Dak was awful. He was worse than Jimmy in that game statistically. I think yes, he completed less like fewer like less than fifty percent of his passes. Anyway. Um, the Niners haven't been doing that to teams this year. I mean, they haven't had more than three sacks in a game since, like, Carolina. And I, a big weakness for the Cowboys, to me, is their offensive tackles and pass protection. They got 77, who's been there for 10, 15 years. What's his name? Ty Ron Smith. He's, they moved him from left tackle. They they abused him last year. I mean, Char- Charles and Menehue tore him apart last year. Now he's on the right side. And the left side, they have Jason Peters, who's like 40 or someone. Or, yeah, or someone else. So, to me, the Niners have to be really pressing the issue on the edges. The Bucks d- couldn't. They don't have edge rushers. The Niners do. So, that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, it's going to be a huge one. I wonder how much they're going to blitz because I didn't realize, like, Again, just watching back. I love watching back the games. It shows you something you didn't really like note or realize. It's like D'Amico Ryan's actually blitzed a fair amount, especially in that first half against Seattle. I'm watching like, and I'm talking about literally like he was sending six. I was watching like I was watching like Fred and uh, Fred and Talanoa going in there. So I wonder if like they're going to be able to handle that because I don't know how much often like really like the Bucks were blitzing Dak so much. It felt like he had a lot of like time. 
But even then, did I felt I like that, they were blitzing him up the middle? Like like Bowles it was, was too much. Yeah, it wasn't creative. It was always you up gotta the middle. Send it where, off like, the they edges. were able like yeah. to like create like a great like net and just hold each other's arms, almost like a red rover type of situation. Where I was like, you ain't getting through. <laughs> no, no, bro, you ain't getting but through. But what, what Dak did a good job of in that game was stepping out of the pocket, finding that open B gap, and instead of, the Niners can't let him do that. He's he's no. he can do it. He's good. He's mobile enough. But they're gonna let him do it. You, you know, they, it's if that happen. dude, dude, if they can't stop the run. If they let him do that, if he takes shots down the field, if he doesn't turn the ball over, and they're, I mean, they're going to lose. Like, they they got to play better on defense. They can't be doing that same old crap that they've been doing the last month. They got to play more discipline. And the last thing I want to talk about here is Bosa. I feel like he's been getting neutralized a little bit the last month, and it's I don't know if he's running out of gas or that D'Amico's running out of creative ways to use him, but it can't happen. He's the best player in the league. He had no sacks last week. He had no sacks against the Raiders. Can't happen. He's got to be a big factor in this. And I know they won basically without him last year in Dallas, but that's one time. And this time, I have ideas because I feel like D'Amico's out of them. If you just put, well, here's the thing. Remember, he, they used to do this a lot with, with, with Bosa. Uh, third down, he's standing at the snap. He's standing like in front of the center. And he's not declaring which side he's going to. And he's kind of like prowling around before. And then he's, he like, when the, when the snap gets, when the ball gets snapped, he sort of picks a lane afterward and starts rushing it. I kind of like that because you can't chip him that way. And it's a right. nice change up. And I don't see him do it anymore. So what I would say is, hey, on a third down, ha- why don't you like have a, a solid front where you have two linebackers, two ta- two tackles, and a no- two ends and a nose tackle, five guys, and then just have freaking Bosa as the sixth guy roaming around. No one can block. The only guy who can block him is the back. Or if they have another call, they can like slide the line and have the back take a line. Do something crazy like that. It's not even crazy. You're welcome. Quality control. It's a nickel. Grant Cohn. There was one. There is one rep, and I know it doesn't tell the whole story of. But what I saw, Bosa got shut down. Was uh, he did. I wasn't, it wasn't a technical double team, but in the end, he got double team where he. I think he shot a shoot inside from his end position, and either the guard or the tackle, like when they kicked back to do the pass pro after like a second or two, no one came invaded. He just turned and got into Bosa, and they both just like ended up double teaming him. So it wasn't like you know an assigned double team, but. It was like I was thinking, like, wouldn't it try to like behoove the 49ers to try to get someone else to shoot another defensive lineman towards Bosa's side? So like, kind of like what they do with the stunting, or just to like you know take so like it forces them into a one-on-one situation. Because I mean, running back to chip him doesn't really like affect him too much. It's when like you get other big bodies in front of him and slow him down. Yeah. Um. I before we move on, and this was more of the other topic. I, I brought up the the Cowboys run game because they have you know big guards and they have Tony Pollard and. Um, remember the Niners did a good job against their run game last year. They had DJ Jones. He's not on this team anymore. And, you know, they have this year, they don't have Ridgeway anymore. Uh, Kevin Givens is small. He's just coming back. You know, you know who they, who they have in the middle there. It, it hasn't been as stout recently. It's just Ty McGill's like the standout. Ty McGill's like 290-something pounds, man. Like, it's just not what it was earlier in the year. And I'm a little concerned about, like, this Cowboys run game isn't even special. It's not, it was mediocre. It, they got a couple good blockers and a, and a nice quick scat back. Who's a pro puller, I guess. Uh, but it's going to get, I mean. Pollard can run the ball. The Giants have a. with the ball in his hands. He should be the I, starter. I like Pollard. I like Pollard. Uh, but the Giants have a better run game than that. The, the Eagles have a better run game than that. So this is going to be something the Niners have to address, even if they win down the line. Mm-hmm. Funny Money says the mother freaking cone zone on hood. On hood. Why are you talking assuming about the meant with MF? You don't know what he meant with MF. He could have he could have meant so many things. Corey Soto says Purdy ranks high in interception in INT worthy passes. I believe it. I tend to think that catches up with you eventually. It probably does. Yeah. It it, it, it did with Jimmy. It almost uh did against Seattle and probably will against a better D. Could this also follow him into next season with more tape on him? Here's what I noticed in the first half against Seattle. Purdy was staying in the pocket and a lot of third downs what <sighs> What um, Carroll would do would play single high coverage with like a rat underneath defender and it's a linebacker and he's just reading Purdy. And you had that linebacker breaking quickly on those slants. You know that on third and probably seven or less, Kyle's calling some type of in-breaking route. Probably. And so he had those that linebacker sitting on that. And there were a couple, I don't know if they were near picks, but linebackers diving, getting there. It was, it was pretty much enough passes. to force like an errant pass, like because it was like yeah. it was like you either had to throw it early behind him for the side, so it would get out of his arms' reach, or you're trying to throw it overhead. Like that Paul needs to be like really good. That's one thing I was noticing. I was, I was like, damn, Purdy's really throwing like a lot of those crossers or slants, like where the like 
Kobe Bryant or whatever the hell that guy is named, Barton, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like lingering like five, eight yards like behind the line of scrimmage or above the line of scrimmage, like just waiting for it. But it wasn't always there. Um, but yeah, he did run that like a, like a handful of times. And that was the thing that like <laughs> that Purdy was just making like literally at the wrong timing or just the wrong like accuracy. Like it wasn't just there. Well, how often do you see Purdy throw the ball outside the numbers from the pocket? From I can't, the pocket. I, can't I just watched this first half. I don't recall that time he did. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially to the right. It, it seems like if he's in the pocket, he's a little, little small and that his vision might be a little compromised and he's trying to throw over the middle. And I think people, I think Pete Carroll figured that out. And so the reason that you see uh, Purdy breaking out of the pocket so much, even if he might might not be pressured, is he can see more of the field out there outside the pocket. He can get the ball outside the numbers if he's closer to the numbers. I'm just saying, like on third down, this is a, this might be why he's you know having some of these interception worthy throws because there's parts of the field you can kind of figure he's not going to go to because he doesn't have the arm for it unless he starts running around and makes the throw shorter, which he does very well, extremely well. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, why would you call two-man against Purdy on third down? He's going to scramble, and he's not going to throw the ball deep down the field. Like, you would never do that. You would call cover one with some aggressive man coverage and be like, I'm taking away the slants. There's no freaking way I'm letting him hit this slant on third and four. No. Do something else. So, yeah, Yeah, that's that's the book on him. That's Everything we do with that are more like zone oriented, just so everyone's like facing him, so they don't get like you know, they, they don't get freaked out if he's gonna take off, or like they could just at least like you know try to that's squeeze true. like tighter weak spots to make sure he's not gonna hit like a receiver. That's uh, you don't have to like spy him though because he's not gonna run past the line of scrimmage. He's just gonna no. break out of the pocket. You guys have to tell your pass rushers like, dude, he spins out of the back of the pocket. He does it. He spins left. He spins whoever that right defensive end is. Dude, he's spinning at you, and I feel like maybe maybe as as people see him more they'll be more aware of it because it seems like it's a yeah. little bit like early in Kaepernick's career people are just so surprised at his yeah he's not you know, Kaepernick yeah like Kaepernick when he would reach his full speed people would just take the worst angles it's like yeah man he's fast he's really fast you got to take better angles Purdy he's really quick dude you you gotta honor it Zach says I do for a big game they will be all over Debo he roasted Diggs last year didn't get the ball because again this year Probably will roast digs again this year. Lilor Stewie says, what do we need during this upcoming draft? Cornerback, QB3, OL, and secondary. What do you think we'll get if we trade Ryan's third round? They're going to have three third-round comps. They could move up a little bit if they want to or move down. I don't know. It seems like, what do you think? think They need a corner unless they bring back Mosley, although you can't have enough corners. They'll probably sign back Mosley just because he's cheap and familiar, and Mosley might be like, yeah, my my value is pretty bad right now. So I think – I don't think you're going to touch it. I mean, always draft a corner, yeah. So I think it's a cop-out. But in terms of need, no. Always draft an offensive lineman. Always draft an offensive lineman. I don't think you need to draft a quarterback. I think you could probably – Another third-round running back. Don't do that. I think (laughs) you could probably keep taking quarterbacks later in the draft. It seems like the Niners – because it's all flipped. In the past, what you wanted at quarterback was upside. And if a guy had played too much in college, you'd be like, "Mm, his upside is low. I want someone with – Less experience because it means that there's possible that a possibility he gets better. Now I think people are going to be like, eh, I don't want to bet on upside anymore. <laughs> I want a guy who's ready to go right now, who can play right now and can be a cheap bargain. So I feel like all of a sudden, that's the I don't know. Teams will be looking that's for not that. just what upside is. It's also with like if the player is like physically gifted, like does he have arm? Is he fast? Uh-huh. Is he mobile? Is uh-huh. he like uh, uh-huh. is he strong? All those uh-huh. things. Right, right. Because he could be the next Josh Allen, except that there's like. 800 bus on the road to finding the next Josh Allen. So all of a sudden, it just felt like experience was something that was almost looked at as a negative for quarterbacks. Why'd you stay in college so long? What was that about? Maybe this guy who only has 600 throws, maybe he could get better. with. But now I think people are like, oh my God, experience is, a, is valuable. It's hard to get, and we want someone who has it. And what I think was tough, what was great about Purdy is that he got the experience, but when he was drafted, he was still 22. When he was playing, he was still 22. Freaking Kenny Pickett's about to turn 25. I don't want a quarterback coming out of college who dominated one year because he was 24. Stenson Bennett's going to be 27. Stenson Bennett's going to be like 27. Exactly. Go back and look at Purdy, man. He he had good – he was consistent in college. He never really improved that much, but he had consistent production from freshman year to sophomore year. Like, that's kind of what you want if you can find it. I don't know. I think that's the new blueprint. Maybe. I don't know. I still say uh, DTR fits it. I like DTR from UCLA. He's all, he's a little bit younger, though. He's a little bit older, though. Purdy's remarkably young. I, I 
I don't understand. And he was getting recruited by Alabama. Was that? Why did he go to Iowa State? I, I was he? I don't, That's what people said. I don't understand. I think I don't know if I heard something like that, but I mean, if he was, I think he probably because I mean he wasn't going to start at Bama probably <laughs> at that time. He wasn't going to start at Bama, so you go to Iowa. Steve M says, "Does D'Amico use this as his resume game?" Uh, one game's not going to define his resume, but if, if he puts bad. the clap on him, it's definitely going to help. If it's bad though, if, if he bad, if he yeah. gives up. 30 in this game, who's going to hire him the next day? Like, hey, we want to introduce our brand new coach. Do they hire? I wonder, if I wonder like, at all. that's what I wonder. Uh, is a team thinking like, well, we could take D'Amico, we could take Dan Quinn, whichever guy loses, we're going to hire because we want to get the guy in the building right away. Didn't that kind of happen? I feel like that happened with Robert Sala and Kevin Stefanski. Remember? It did. Like, it did. the Niners won, Stefanski they beat – they freaking beat the Vikings. The, Stefanski was their offensive coordinator. They destroyed the Vikings offense in that game. Stefanski became the <laughs> the the Browns head coach like the next day. Yeah. The next day. I I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he was available and Salah wasn't. That was a mind blower. And Most Stefanski likely because you need your yeah. guy in the building as soon as possible because weeks, weeks, weeks and months at a time is definitely valuable. Everything, collecting staff, like everything established. The draft's only three months away. I, I hope that, Demi, that the interest in D'Amico is legit because I'm so cynical about the NFL. You know what I'm saying? The NFL's hiring practices with coaches is just outrageous. Did he go you know back? What I'm so wait, is he actually is, is he is actually interviewing with Houston now? Four? No, I don't know. He has four interviews and they're coming Even to meet though, him. Like last week, but like, I just you know they they have that disgusting Rooney rule which they don't honor and they just try to you know what I'm saying? Like is he that guy? Because they're making him seem like he's a hot candidate. Are we going to find out that they were just lying to him the whole time I hope not because you th- feel like that's such a thing that the NFL would do D'Amico next guy up next maybe next year D'Amico maybe next year you like we like you did great in your interview though like what that's you what, know what I'm saying that's what I'm partly thinking at least because I'm all I'm looking at the vacancies and I'm like where's D'Amico really even a fit at like what's a, it has to be a place with like a good foundational defense or ideally an offense where he doesn't have to worry too much about and then again I'm wondering like who's he maybe his OC like I've seen people be exactly. like, the good thing about D'Amico exactly. is he can build. He's going to build a good staff. I'm like, how do you know? Who I don't even know who his connects yeah. are. Like with McDaniel, also, it was kind of obvious. Yeah. I knew I, it was kind of easy. He was going to take like two to three coaches with him. Robert Sala yeah. was obvious. LaForge is best buddy. He was going to take him yeah. and a couple other coaches. Like although all those were obvious to me. It's not obvious with D'Amico. He's only been a coach for like two, three, for like exactly. five years now. And he's only been a coordinator for two. How many defensive coordinators become head coaches after two years as being coordinators? Not many. I mean, Solid took him four years. They went to the Super Bowl after his third, and and he still didn't get the job. And what what clinched it for him the next year was putting together a top five defense without Nick Bosa. I mean, with so many D- other players down too. D'Amico's so defense is kind of hemorrhaging right now with Nick Bosa. So I I think owners might notice. And I know a big thing with D'Amico is his leadership and the fact that he played and the way he connects with players, and that's all legit. But I mean. He doesn't have experience. He's always going to have that personality and ability to connect, but teams might feel like, you know what? Give him another year. Give him two more years. I'm just think curious. bigger picture. He's defensive-oriented, yeah. and that's not He's defensive-oriented. Also, anymore. It, it, right? And it's like, look at Salah. Look at Salah right now. He already fired his, co- his offensive coordinator two years in. Already. Unjustly. And it's like, he, it, but it's like, is he a good leader? Yes. Is he a good defensive coach? Yes. The defense is clicking, but ultimately, but, but, <laughs> you need your quarterback but, to operate. <laughs> right. So all these things are going on. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if, if D'Amico actually leaves. All the remaining head coaches in the playoffs right now are offensive-oriented. None of them defensive backgrounds. Also, a lot of coaches that had no experience that got hired off you know hope and prayers O'Connell. failed miserably. And oh. I wonder if you know, owners often – just wildly swing back and forth. Okay, I don't want the next Nathaniel Hackett, the guy who's never been a coach, a head coach before. Let me let, let's get the next Doug Peterson. Let's get some guy on his second go round. Oh, that's Dan Quinn. Someone who's fifty five and not thirty eight. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden the trend could go because everyone wanted a thirty five year old coach for a second, and now all of a sudden you see like some some like grown men doing some pretty good work. You know, with some experience, and owners might be like, instead of giving fifty million dollars to the next Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Cliff. Anyway, D'Amico, good luck. He'll get a he'll be a head coach eventually. But I just don't trust the NFL. Uh, you know, I just don't trust him at all. Trey wants Never. out. LMAO, Brock Purdy, Red and Gold, Rainwater. 
Eddie V says Dallas weakness equals hey. tackling lack of physicality by DBs. Oh my goodness. Stefan uh, Trayvon Diggs wants no no smoke, zero smoke. He's like Marcus Peters. He's like Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that's a good point. So turn him into a tackler. Big game for Kinlaw. Need him to show up versus the run. Correct. It's a huge game for him. But he doesn't even, I mean, he only plays like a fraction of the snaps. It's not just him. Yeah, he has like, like 18 snaps. It's all of them. It's it's Armstead, too. Nick Saban called him inaccurate, didn't know Purdy. Oh, Oh, he didn't know Perdman Jr. Red and Gold Rainwater says Brock didn't go to Bama because Saban didn't have his facts right. Kind of like you guys trying to talk about it. Oh, oh snap. <clears throat> weary, weary Nut yeah, says Skip Bayless said Tony Pollard is better than CMC. So did uh, so did uh, <laughs> sure the players and coaches. The, the, I'm calling him sick Bayless now because he just makes me sick. That's well, it. hold on. To his to his in his defense, the fans voted CMC into the Pro Bowl, not Pollard. And then players and coaches, the peers, overruled that and put Pollard in over CMC. Why? Why? I really think the whole thing is because of the trade. I really do think that, which is not fair. Why can't you count his, his Carolina production? Because it was losing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, he goes to the Niners still producing, but he has all his talent, he has coaches, so it's kind of like he doesn't get know. credit for that. It's like, what? Let me just say, though, if the Niners had Tony Pollard, he'd be killing it. He's really good. Oh, yeah, he would. He'd be killing it. Niners Faithful says good news for Bosa. Jason Peters ruled out Sunday. It wouldn't matter anyways. He would have dusted uh, Peters if he He's played. not good. Yeah, he's not good. Uh, Drew Burr, 89, says he had no competition at Iowa State where Bama had like four of their quarterbacks competing. Would have been like Joe at Notre Dame. That's a good point. Again, go to the is, place it better, is it better to be Mac Jones, go to Alabama, sit at forever, and play for oh. a year and a half, or go to Iowa – play as, as a true freshman and get on the field. I think we're starting to see like a whole shift. It doesn't really matter where you go to school. In fact, for a quarterback's perspective, go to Iowa State. Give yourself a challenge. You know what I'm saying? Don't have a competitive advantage every week. Have Be on a team that's as good as any other team. It's a good experience. It's kind of interesting. Always go for the playing. One of my friends, old teammates, went to Mizzou, and he, as much as he loves going, loves playing there, he – he didn't get any playing time. He says he wishes yeah. he went to Fresno State because he actually would have played yeah. there, maybe even started. There you go. So, go go where you're going to play. Daywan Graham says Kyle should be Kyle. The Cowboys will be tired and beat up, and our O-line backfield is the healthiest it's been all year Run the ball. Yeah, the Cowboys' biggest weakness? Fatigue. Fatigue. That's the thing. This is their fourth straight road game, and it's a short week for them. Are they just going to, like, poop out in the second half? Because the Niners kind of didn't. In the NFC Championship game last year. That was their fourth straight road game. They're probably going to take it so light in practice this week, though. Yeah, they probably should. Who's the next DC? Um, mm, if there is a next DC, I don't know. I kind of have a feeling to keep it in-house. I don't think they want to change it. No Woods. <laughs> oh. He's, I think he's coming back. Joe Woods. That's a Shane great Day's call. Shane <laughs> Day, baby. <laughs> Joe, oh, because he just got. he was part of the Chargers staff, right? He got fired. LaFour's fired. I bet you all these guys oh, are coming yeah. back. Probably will. Joe Woods. LaFour's at least coming back. It could be Joe Woods, although Joe Woods didn't do a great job in Cleveland, but he didn't have Nick Bosa. He'd had... He had Miles Garrett. Garrett he had Miles Garrett, though. Come on. Don't give him that cop out. I mean, it's look, true. honestly, that defense wasn't even, like, their biggest issue. I mean, it wasn't Niners great. Niners and but... Cowboys both played the Commanders, says Niners Faithful. It's true. And, and, uh, and, and Dallas lost. The thing about that Dallas game, Week 18, did Dallas have anything to play for? They lost the game. Did they lose? Wait, yeah, they no. did. Because if they won and the Eagles Eagles lost, I think they could have won the division. But they didn't lose. No, they didn't lose, and the Cowboys the Eagles got smoked. Didn't. Yeah, yeah. So everyone was I, saying was some embarrassing loss it was, especially considering like that was a game you were playing for something technically, and you're just a week away from the playoffs, and it's like that's also another reason why I thought it was going to be closer against the Bucks as weak as they've shown. But man, they they pretty much like put that game to rest, like it never existed. Yeah. The Cowboys look like a talented team, but I just don't take Mike McCarthy seriously. They don't seem like the, mo no, the most. No, that's, that's always teams. the one thing I'm always going to circle back to. <clears throat> number one, him first. But I do think that Dan Quinn's a good defensive coordinator, and I think the 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 Dan Quinn factor is real because he knows Kyle as well as any defensive coach in the that, league. That's, that was another thing I was going to say. I remember, I remember last year going into that Cowboys matchup. I was thinking that that game was going to be closer because Dan Quinn knows Kyle. Yes. And the last time those two fared, he put the clamps on his offense in 2019 right. with Atlanta. Atlanta, and they beat him. 
So there was that game, and then there was last year, and it was like, okay, so the Niners ran for like 180-something yards. Awesome. And, but they only scored 23 so points. They only scored 23 points. And maybe that's all Jimmy Garoppolo's fault, and maybe they're going to score 47 with Brock Purdy. But I will see. I'm curious. Because uh, I, I really haven't seen a team come out with a great plan for Brock yet, except for last week. I thought early on Pete Carroll had a good idea of how to attack Brock on third down. I blame that more on Brock, though. He left a lot of the table after watching it. And I'm back. I'm just like. Staring down receivers, man. I thought he was. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Is this the biggest challenge yet for Brock Purdy? This pass rush, these DBs, this stage? What do you think? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Every game from here on out the rest of the way, because of the playoffs, is going to be the biggest challenge yet. Because it theoretically should be a better team he's facing. And just the, the, the pressure intensifies. I mean, we saw that last week, how he showed against a team he's already familiar with. You, you think he'd be more relaxed, which I think for sure the, the pressure got to him. It made him crack. Early it on. It made him stumble. Definitely, because yeah. he was making – he actually looked like a true rookie. I'm like, what am I watching? I, I was yeah. trying to blame Kyle at first. It's like, Kyle, I, the first opening drive I had no problem with. He's like, all right, get, make him make him get settled down because the last thing Kyle wants is to have to play a game where he has to, you know, handcuff his quarterback because he's tired of that. We've seen that. It doesn't work. So you have yeah. to get him kickstarted now. What better than at home against a team you're familiar with? But – yeah, I'm glad he finished well, but yeah, you just know that that's that's, that's definitely always going to be the table now. The rest of the way, is he gonna like? Is he gonna like feel it? Because a thousand percent, he felt it, and credit to him, he bounced back. That's why I said I think it's his most impressive performance that he's had because he was able to not get in his own head, not get in his own way. He was able, and we've never seen that from a four hours quarterback and since like Cap or even before that. So the fact he's able to do that is great. It's it's a challenge because it's a great, it's a solid defense at least with great moments, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's gonna be challenging. It's more. It's it's another. It's a stepping stone to the NFC title game, and mm. now, yeah, you you got you your opportunities now. You are favored. You should win this game. It's not gonna be easy, but yeah, it's gonna be challenging. I'm wondering which Brock Purdy is gonna show up. Well, we saw he had nerves early in the game. He missed his first few throws, and the same thing with Dak though. Like even in this game, it took him three till the third series to settle down against Tampa. Like <clears throat> the first series, he missed. Uh, a th- he missed two throws. That's the line was getting blown up, though. Where Purdy actually had cleaner pockets. <clears throat> True, but still, even even Troy Aikman said, "Oh, it looks a little nervous early on. It looks like a little nervous." Troy Aikman is so he constantly takes jabs at all the players. It's pretty funny to me. I like anyway, Troy. Aikman. I like Troy Aikman too. I think he actually keeps it real, and he's kind of salty in the booth. But uh, yeah, I think in the, so in that sense, yeah. But like, it, it could be one of these games where he just hands off. It's just like that worked. That worked. And he doesn't, he might not have to do much in this game. It might be that Dallas is gassed and they can't stop the run on the road. And it's actually a really easy win where the nine, where Brock just hands off a button. That could happen. That's what I that wonder. Is there going to be another pass heavy attack? Because I was surprised there was a 19 to 9 ratio. And even if they finished the game, I think <clears throat> they finished the game, it was what? Purdy had 30 passes. And then I think McCaffrey had 15 carry. I think ultimately like it was like 25 to 30 in, ter- in favor of the pass, which is like, wow. Yeah. Wow, and I know you've been an advocate saying like this is a pass-heavy offense now, and I'm like, yeah, but I think it's more like to open it up, and then they go more run, which that's what Kyle said. Like, yeah, that was our plan to go pass early and then run it to open up lanes. But I just, I don't know, it kind of felt like that's been their just- plan. I feel like that's what they do now, though. Like they come out early, they throw the ball to McCaffrey a lot, they try to get a lead, and then run. You know, they try to set up, establish the pass to set up the run. That's what they've been doing with Purdy, and I feel like <clears throat> teams have just started to adjust. The Niners are not a run-first team anymore like they were with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Now they're a pass-first team. <clears throat> they still run the ball well, though. One yeah. more thing. We were talking about how Pete Carroll basically had like the, be- like a- the best defensive plan yet against Brock Purdy and the Niners. Um, it's just Geno Smith started turning the ball over. Well, Dan Quinn worked with Pete Carroll. I mean, they, they think alike. Dan Quinn watched what Pete Carroll did. He understands exactly what Pete Carroll was trying to accomplish. He's going to be building off of that. I mean, this could be... The most sophisticated game plan that uh, Brock Purdy's faced. Or maybe because Dan Quinn's interviewing for head coaching jobs too, he'll mail it in and then it'll be a really easy job. I don't know, man. It'll be interesting. Although Dan uh, Quinn's uh, been through all this before. I feel like he knows how to handle it, how to juggle it all. It's not I think where Dan Quinn's going to meet his matches is just being able to adjust for so many and account for so many players. Where last year it was just like, ah, oh, it's Debo Samuel. And that didn't work out. <laughs> they couldn't figure out that that game plan. And then Ayuk feasted, but now you got Kittle clicking. You got Ayuk playing the best ball of his life. You got yeah. I think right now it's just, I think I think it's gonna like I said, it's gonna be a battle. It's not it's not gonna be a walk in the park for the 49ers. 
Um, I think I think they're gonna have some fits and some stretches in that game. Yep. All right, let's move on. So the Niners had a poor first half against Seattle. I mean, they were losing. They gave away the lead. I mean, they had bad penalties, undisciplined play. They really played down to Seattle, and Seattle punched them in the mouth. If they do that against Dallas on Sunday, can they survive like they did last week? Um, no, I don't think they can. Not not to that degree. And I'm, I think if it's a little worse than that, because honestly, the Niners weren't – it was a half of football, but it really was just like two or three drives, really. I mean, they allowed – they had one like really like bad drive they allow where the allows Seattle to go the whole length of the field and that was like a methodical like paper cut drive, and then the second one you know they get the bombs to Metcalf when Metcalf was just like a guy who was freaking unconscious just destroying them all. It really was just those two drives and I guess maybe the third one in the third quarter when you open up and they were driving and took that turnover so sure I'll give you three drives, yeah. but outside of that like. I mean, look, it's a playoff, so just having three drives where you really get gashed on on both sides of the ball, you're doing nothing offensively, yeah, I think that's where the Cowboys are going to make you more pay. And I wrote that in my game story. So I was like, hey, look, the Niners are lucky in a way that they're facing a lesser talented side because anyone who's better, more efficient, with better, like even a better quarterback, better coaching staff, they're going to be able to take advantage of that or at least like make it harder for them to come back from. Um, I don't think the Niners are going to make are going to have it that easy if they're, if they're going to have like – especially if it is a true bad half. They're lucky they had those two opening series and eventually had other series that led to field goals. But, yeah, I think Dallas is a team you're not going to want to really put yourself on a hole in. I mean, if it's, if you're only down by one in halftime, it's still fine, but it's not something you're going to want to have such an airiness game of again, especially if Purdy's going to turn it over. You could argue that the Niners are so confident, bordering on arrogant, that they've looked at their opponents the last four or five weeks as so far beneath them that that's partially the reason why they've played it's so felt that way, poorly. right? It has like oh man, Jared Stidham Raiders they suck like oh and even like both after the game like it started with Washington. Yes, yes. All of a sudden it's like oh man, like they suck like freaking Taylor Heineke like oh oh like okay we won but we didn't play our best but who cares like we can turn it on whenever we want and then again against the Raiders and then again it's like it felt like they were we've beaten Seattle twice they suck do you know this man like oh now you're in the game. Yeah, and so maybe you won't feel that way this week. They won't feel that way this week. It's Dallas. They haven't they beaten a team this good. Like, they know this is a big challenge. And so maybe they'll come out and blow the doors off of Dallas from the beginning of the game mm-hmm. because they f- can flip a switch like that. I just wonder about the teams that want to flip a switch. To me, like, only very few teams can do stuff like that. It's usually the best team in the league, and it's usually a team that's won a few championships. That's not the Niners. To me, they've been, like, s- slipping a little bit in their in their standard of play the last month and I this is the week where they have to push it back up to where it was in early December late That's why November. the last five games they've had crazy second half surges ultimately yes it's like, okay here game, we go all right we got like, all right now face. we're awake. wake up yeah now we're awake like don't wait for Dallas to wake you up because you might be out of the game then then if you're behind now now Brock Purdy has to play from behind against that pass rush I think this is the concern where we talked about like like wow this is the first time the Niners under Kyle Shanahan have really like been like in the clear for the playoffs, you know since I mean last year it took it took literally the, the final whistle for them to to put them in the clear against the Rams week eighteen and say here in the playoffs you're good and they were already clicking they had no time to really like lay low twenty nineteen same thing it took until the final play to the whistle like all right you know you're in the, you're in the clear you're in the low go ahead and they were able to keep clicking where this this year they had three to four games to spare and it's like well. Of course, my foot is going to be left off the gas pedal. We already clinched. It's not going to be like we're not totally playing for 100% everything now. Um, but I, I think this this week, yeah, I think they'll be fine because it's it's the Cowboys. Teams do get up for them. They're going to know that everyone's going to be watching them, especially the way they blew out the, the Bucks on Monday Night Football. I expect especially – I think the Lions probably going to tip more in Dallas's favor. I know the Niners are minus three and a half. I bet it's going to get down as far as down as like minus two, mm. which would be pretty significant. Um I think that's where it's going to be like, all right, let's, let's put these boys on blast. It's going to be – everyone's going to be watching. I, mean, you know, I know it's a 3.30 game, but that's pretty much prime time. It, it, Niners-Cowboys, come on. There's going to be a lot of – I know all my old uncle – everyone's going to be watching that. That's going to be one where you really want to lock into and really not have your, bet, uh, your bad moments. All right, last thing before we move on. The Niners came out slow last week, especially on, on defense, giving up 17 points. And they let Geno Smith get in a rhythm and feel confident. He was completing a high percentage of his passes, taking shots – feeling confident just turned out that you know doesn't matter he's still Geno Smith with Dak 
if the Niners let Dak develop a rhythm and confidence in the first half, that's very bad. I mean, that's very bad. He's a lot better than Geno. They can't let that happen. They have to put it on him immediately. Pause. Moving on. Don Pablo says, here's $19. Pesos. Pesos? Thank you, Don Pablo. I appreciate you. Pesos. 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 <laughs> Justin says, Dak has way more pressure on him money-wise, but also his team needs him to be great in order to win. Pretty can lean on his team way more. Absolutely. And that's one of the great things about how the Niners are built. All right, last topic, then I got to get down to Santa Clara to listen to Kyle who talks in hour and 40. Trey Lance! So Trey Lance posted something on his Instagram, very cryptic. And thank you, Trey, for giving us something to talk about. I don't know what it means. I'm asking you. It's a, <laughs> so, so Rand Carthon, he was the Niners director of player personnel. I'm guessing Trey knows him. I mean, probably was inv- involved in drafting Trey. I don't know how much. Gets hired by the Tennessee Titans. Jose wrote an article about it. Very good. Check it out. All 49ers. It's the All 49ers show. <laughs> so then Trey Lance posts on Instagram just a picture of Rand Carthon and three uh, fingers crossed emojis. That's it. That's the post. That's it. Picture of Rand, three fingers crossed emojis. That's it. What do you think of that? He wants to get traded to the Titans, duh. There, happy I said it. No, no, no. I, I mean, look, even without, I mean, what does it mean? It means good luck. Good luck, whatever. Good luck, man. Good luck, Rand Carthen. You're, you're one of us. Does I it? met you in the process you sure? right on for contributing to drafting me. This means good luck? luck? I've never luck. seen this crossed. as good luck. Good luck, yes, good luck. Fingers crossed. Okay. You know that? What do you do fingers crossed fingers for? Fingers crossed like, is like you're hoping for something. It means good luck, you fool. That's how I. That's how I interpret it. I don't know it. what it means. To me, it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> I just say good luck. I, okay, fair enough. It could mean good luck. Okay, hope but for but, good but, luck. but but it also could mean boy, I hope something. You I hope I end up with you. <laughs> I just feel like I don't know what the hell it means. Here's what. Here's why I think it's funny. Like, this is something that young young men do. Debo did it. Uh, Trey does it. You post something that means nothing. On Instagram, a song lyric, a picture, an emoji, and you're famous, so people try to interpret it. And then you you uh, jump back, being like, "Oh man, everyone wants to read into what I'm doing. Everyone overanalyzes what I man. You knew it would get overanalyzed when you posted it. Why'd you post it on Instagram? Because you wanted attention or whatever it is, clout, whatever it is. I post on on Twitter all the time. I want attention. I understand. You don't <laughs> post something and then get fake mad when people try to interpret it dude you don't have a job here anymore essentially a starting job this guy left he might have drafted you you post this a lot of people are going to think that you're saying hey can i come with you and it's possible that you didn't feel that but at the same time if you don't want people to misinterpret cryptic tweets don't tweet cryptic stuff don't post cryptic stuff and look you're free to do whatever you want trey but you're also trying to take back this starting quarterback job and one of the things that brock does that the niners like a lot is not post on social media. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, you could start there. Although, also again, if you wanted to say good luck, Rand, dog, you have his number. I'm guessing. Text him. That's what I would do. I would text a dude, be like, "Hey, man, congratulations, good luck." Instead of putting a really hard to interpret post on Instagram. I'm not chastising Trey. I'm just. This is what we talked about with Debo over the offseason, man. Like, hey, man. Don't act like you didn't want people to talk about this Instagram post. You knew what would happen. He was definitely doing it on purpose. You knew what would happen when you did this, man. He was definitely doing it on purpose. Yeah. And you're, and you're a social media poster. And I think one of the things the Niners like from their players are people that don't do that. People that don't. Especially quarterbacks. Just I just think from the person that Trey has shown to us the last two years now, is that's not really like his shtick, his spiel. I really do think like the dude just like is always hopeful and like just like it's just nothing full of like genuine love, to be honest. I, I don't think he's really like looking for anything like that. I agree. <laughs> I, just, I, agree. I, just, I know. I, I agree. Well, I'm not trying to say here. I think he wants to go. No, to I know you're not saying, I'm saying that. I'm just saying like, dude, you're leaving it up for interpretation, Trey. If, and maybe you should not do that. If Trey maybe was Debo or like had anywhere semblance of the Debo or Kyler Murray or like, especially Kyler Murray, then I would be like, okay, I'm giving credence to this a thousand percent, right. even if he only right. showed a sliver of a Kyler Murray personality. But he's, he's like the opposite of that. 
The complete that being said, that. we don't know where he's at right now mentally. And if it were me, I'd be very frustrated. Maybe he's so above it and he's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Brock's great. My turn will come. You know, God has a plan. Some people are like that. I, I'm not getting – if it were me, I'd be bitter. Like, dude, I, I have never gotten a chance here. No one wants to give me a chance. It's bullshit. That's how I'd feel. But I'm not a quarterback Can't give you a or chance. an athlete. Help me, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> you're over true. here wheeling and dealing on your little scooter. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I swear to God, like you're over here having races in the concourses with Jimmy on your bike. Like, <laughs> come on, they're probably taking bets doing something like that. But no, if, that, if, that, if people want to overreact on that, then it's like, all right, then let's overreact to his picture when he showed he was healthy without a boot then. Then everything's like under the microscope. It's like, oh, he's supposed to the picture without his boot. What does it mean? Activate me off IR? I'm thinking, I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of young quarterbacks are on social media. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is. I'm bet Joe Burrow is. Majority I of think them, it's 90% of probably them. best to not post on social media. And I'm not, I'm, again, I'm, I'm not trying to moralize or tell Trey what to do, but probably best to just avoid this whole conversation. I mean, again, if you wanted to say something nice about Rand just because you have a relationship with Rand, text him. Text him. And don't open up this stupid conversation for people to be like, it's nothing, or is it? Or is it's it? Or it's nothing. For him. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. It's, it's pretty much a raise. It's a promotion. It's it's furthering his career. So it's like, hell yeah, I'm happy for my boy. So like that, let's go. I'm you know what he could have done? He could have wrote that. I'm happy for my boy. Congratulations, Rand. You both? Because you're so elated from ecstatic from it? Dude, the, the, cryptic, the cryptic post is always, to me, it's like, why'd you do it? Why did you post the song lyric? Why did you post? You... It's open to you. Left it open to interpretation on purpose. I think we're all the way, exactly. We're all interpreting. You left it open to interpret. You know you're famous. You know it's news. You know no one knows what you mean. Why'd you do that? Why? Be, be clear. Use your words. You're a very smart, articulate person. Anyway, anyway, it's it's how uh, 22 year olds think. You're you're almost 20. You're what? You're 23. What are you? Shut up. I'm 27. I wish I was 23. <laughs> how does a 22 year old think, Jose? I, I'm I'm 35. I'm 40. All right, let's see if people are mad at me for. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. Forever be the funniest clip. One of the funnier clips. Yeah. Uh, does Brock equal Brady? Yes. Um, no, because he could actually move. In terms of their, in terms of their story, in terms, of, yeah, their their skill sets are polar opposites. But in the way, like a young quarterback has sort of taken over and and gotten a, an entire championship team to believe in him, sort of. I was watching that game Monday, and after the hearing the stupid the rap sheet bring it up, like, oh, the Niners have, could have Brady as an option. I was like, you know what? I think the Bucks should have Purdy as an option. Trade Brady. Franchise tag him. Trade him to the Niners. JCK510 says, is Trey's IG story worse than Antonio Brown's Snapchat story? I don't need to know about that, because I already saw, like, a tweet that someone talked about saying that they saw something of Antonio Brown. I was like, that's all I need to see or need to hear yep. about. Thank you. I'm out. No. You see Antonio Brown trending, and then you click on it, and you learn too much, entirely too much. There should be a warning. TMI contained here. I didn't need to know any of that. Yeah, I'm a little scarred. Antonio Brown has no – there is no warning. The dude just erupts and just storms onto the field with all this, you know, this cynical – yeah, (laughs) all that thing. I love how Antonio Brown, like, does something crazy and then, like, dies down for, like, doesn't do anything. You don't hear anything from him for, like, maybe three, four months. He comes out of nowhere. And then he tops it. He's like, oh, you forgot about me? Watch what I'm capable of. He's like (laughs) the equivalent slash opposite of Batman where he just vanishes out of nowhere. It's like, what the hell happened? But but it's in terms of how he arrives. It's like, what? JCK510 says, Grant, no lie. This segment is making you sound like a boomer. Trey was posting it, sending good vibes like he does every (laughs) player on the Niners. Yeah, man. Again, to me, Trey it's a Rorschach a test. It's a Rorschach like test. A it's a Rorschach test. If you like Trey, he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart, and he's a saint. If you don't like Trey, hey, man, this dude wants out, and he's a problem in the locker room. And if you're ambivalent, like me, you could kind of play it down the middle. But I just want to say that the cryptic, the, the cryptic social media posts, I love them. I love them. Thank you. You can talk about them. If he had said exactly what he meant, we couldn't talk about it, but he didn't, and so we're talking. Lucas says, like has a tweet. Tw- wow, you're sending cryptic tweets? Is that what you're Yes! Saying? It's like that! Wow! What does that mean? Ooh. Oh, he was just. You don't know what the hell he meant. Oh, he was just with his boys. I, I don't know. You, only you know because you were there. Lucas says, as a 21 year old, <laughs> this means nothing. LOL. I love you, Grant, but this is a reach. When I saw the post, I didn't think anything of it. I said it didn't mean anything either. And that's why I think it's so great because it literally means nothing. 
Sean O'Leary says always late. Uh, so again, sorry if you guys discuss. But do you see Aaron Rodgers talking about still being good enough to play somewhere and win MVP, not Super Bowl MVP? Never want the Niners to consider that dude diva. Oh, speaking about cryptic, yeah. this guy doesn't. This guy doesn't post anything, but he he goes on interviews and does that. He's more annoying. So annoying. Aaron Rodgers pisses me off. He's like LeBron. He's been LeBron James to me for like two years now. Worse. Worse. Worse now, yeah. Yeah. Diego says, is Trey already getting uh, already on the getting traded path, or is there still a chance of him to sit uh, another sit out another year? I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, they don't admit to mistakes. They don't like to sell low. They kept Jimmy Garoppolo forever. They're probably going to be like, we have two starting quarterbacks, and then they'll start Brock, and then Brock it's eventually get hurt. All two quarterbacks now. Yeah, because maybe you do need two starting quarterbacks. Smart Brock will probably get hurt eventually, and then Trey will get his chance, and he'll either do well or he won't. But I think he probably will do well when he gets his chance. Yeah. All right, that's a, that's a show. I got to get down to Santa Clara. Now, thanks for watching. Trey, thanks for posting. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. At least it's not raining. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I'll see you tonight with Jesse. Peace.